Hey, you're listening to The Real Kathy Lee on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Thanks for joining me as I share my mom sessions. It's basically my imperfect journey of motherhood. Be prepared to laugh, maybe cry, but hopefully you're going to be encouraged as I share my failures, successes, and offer some tips I've learned along the way. And remember, you've got this. Did you know that I love speaking in front of a group of people? I bet you gathered that by now. If you're looking for a speaker for your women's retreat, your homeschooling event, or an education conference, check out my site, kathyhlee.com. I would love to join you and share my wisdom, maybe some humor, and encourage the people who attend. Okay, welcome to another episode of The Real Kathy Lee. I'm so glad you've joined us. I know each week, uh, it seems I get more and more excited about the people I get to chat with, but this week, oh, I'm so excited. I think every mom, dad that listens to this is going to write me an email thanking me for this amazing woman that I had the pleasure of meeting. Today, we are going to be chatting with Jan Smith, and I met Jan, oh, I have to quickly tell a story and then I'll let her chat, but... I remember getting this phone call at an adoption conference, and I remember getting this out-of-the-blue phone call. I was standing by a lake, phone rings, and she talks about listening to a talk I had given and wanting me to come and speak in Louisiana. And every logical thing said, no, you don't have time, you can't get to Louisiana. But after talking to this woman, I was like, I've got to be near her. I have to meet her face-to-face. There's something about her. And boy, did she not disappoint. She took care of my business partner and I when we went down to speak. She has continued to love us uh, professionally and personally. I have just learned so much from watching she and her husband, Roger, parent, listening to stories, just being near her. She is one of those people that you just feel better being near her. So Jan Smith, welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Kathy. I do agree that we both philosophically and spiritually just knit quickly. We did, didn't we? It was one of the, I have chills as you said that. I really got chills all over. But it is like that. It was, you know, when you meet those people and they almost feel like they themselves feel like home. That's how you feel to me. You yeah, feel like I'm at home that. no matter where we are. If we're at a restaurant, if we're hanging out, if we're talking on the phone, I always just, uh you are one of a kind. Well, I love this. So we chatted and I said, hey, Jan, you want to be on the podcast? And you had the best idea for a topic to talk about. So this is all your idea. And you said, yeah, I want to talk about, you know, why we as parents don't let our little ones do things. And by the time they're older, they don't want to try things. Is Tell me why you thought that would be a good topic to talk about. Well, I I have seen such a stark contrast as mine have gotten older in both teens and young adults that some are highly competent and others are totally clueless about doing real-life activities. And I think in both cases that they didn't arrive there by themselves. Their parents led them to that spot. Mm. And, you know, the more you do for a child, the less they do for themselves. And that sounds, in some people's eyes, like that's almost mean. And I'm not talking about not being willing to be a servant to your children because we are servants to our children. But we have to remember that we need to begin with the end in mind from the time they're little bitty. And that's for them to be an adult, to eliminate our child's need of us. And that does not just happen when they get to be teenagers that we think, oh, my, they're fisting leave. You know, they need to get independent. No, 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 no. Starts, you know, from the time they're very, very young. 
I think you're exactly right. Well, let's back up because I kind of jumped the gun. I want to get. I'm so excited about this topic. They don't even know who you are. They're like Jan Smith. Who the world is Jan Smith? Why don't you take a minute and let's at least tell them who who is this lady, giving them some advice. So you have bukus of experiences and um, accolades in your pocket. So tell us a little bit about you, your kids. Give them the rundown. Then we'll get back to the topic. Well, I'm married to Dr. Roger Smith in Louisiana. We live in North Louisiana, and we started homeschooling back when the most common question was, is that legal? And um, so <laughs> we've come a long way in homeschooling, and as a result of, of that uh, experience of homeschooling for children and the freedom that it gave us and the fun that we had, the hard work that it was, and now seeing the fruit of that and the benefit of that. We have three boys and a girl, and all three boys married homeschool girls, which that wasn't a requirement, but they all said, they're just different, Mom. You know, and, and we start talking to these girls. We don't even know that they're homeschooled until much later in the conversation, and yet there's just homeschool girls are different. And, uh, and they were really drawn to that. We, uh, I play in a jazz band now. I want to tell all those moms of young children out there, there is life after homeschooling. And this is just a short season in your life. It's a intense season though. And uh, a lot of the things that I did not do for a while have been picked back up and I play in a jazz band now and I am a state um, tour chairman for the Louisiana Garden Club, and I coordinate trips all around the world, and we just have a blast, and we get to do a lot of things. I'm kind of now pairing back because since my children are married, I'm starting to have grandchildren and to be reintroduced to the crazy world of having little bitties in your house and uh, and to have fun with that again. So uh, Roger's the state chairman of the Louisiana um, Christian Home Educators Fellowship, and we are trying to make sure that the next generation has the freedom to homeschool and help protect those laws in Louisiana. Um, and that's that's been a fun ride. So that's how I met you was through yes. our state leadership position of the Homeschool Association. So, wow, that's a lot. I love that you're in a jazz band. I want to um, make a trip to Louisiana to hear you because I love good jazz music. So I did not even know that about you, so I learned something, too. Okay, let's get back to the topic. So I agree with you. I think that so many times, uh, I do it, too. We kind of wait, and almost we try and do a cram course of whatever it is. And I think really teaching them to do it for themselves starts so early. Why do you think that? Most parents go this way. Why do you think that we decide, mm, we can't let them do it? Well, I think initially it's because it's just more trouble, you know. <laughs> Even yeah. with, the, with, with a little bitty one, you know, um, go put your diaper in the trash can. Well, once you say it, then you have to enforce it. You have to pick it up with them, take them over there, put it in the trash can, you know. So that becomes trouble instead of just a simple task of tossing the, tra- the, the diaper in the trash. You have to, it becomes a training project or a potential disciplinary issue. So I think that every time that we make a request of them, initially we are assisting in that process, uh, putting their clothes in the hamper, um, you know, putting their plate in the sink. I'll never forget the first time I asked my oldest son, Caleb, to go put your plate in the sink. 
And I just wasn't thinking, you know, a, a two-year-old is going to go and drop it in the sink. And I had a ceramic sink, and this was my still everyday china that I'd gotten when I got married. And he was very sweet and obedient, and he went and dropped it in the sink, and it went, chink, and it cracked. So I said, through my gritted teeth, thank you, Caleb, good job. <laughs> Right. I do think, man, I have been so guilty. And kids, it must be innate in them. They want to do it. It's, I can do it myself. You know, me do oh, it yeah. myself. I me, think, do me do it. it. Me do it. And and then we want, what we see is, oh, me do it equals double the mess when they're done, you know, versus if I do it. I, I envision the kid carrying their diaper and poops falling out along the way or something. Right. That would be my house. And so it does feel easier. But what is the result? Later they get, then as they get older and, the, and we give them bigger responsibilities, there are dangers involved in doing a lot of the task of life, you know, like, um, and there's a chance that they could get hurt. But life is full of dangers. And I'm saying even as simple as learning to use a knife and cut things, learn, giving them paper scissors even to cut out things, you know, um, that mowing a yard, there are some dangers in that. Yeah. But the way we handle danger in life is they gain competencies. Uh, I mean, you know, and the only way they gain competency is through training and assistance and you know, we live in the country, and little boys want a pocket knife. And some moms, the helicopter typer, say, oh, no, I would never let my child have a knife. Well, you know, it, you're not just going to hand it to them and never train them on how to do it, or you're not going to start off a child in the kitchen with a very sharp knife, you know. so. Well, I must uh, chime in and tell you my pocket knife story at our home. So we did have that little boy who lived in the country who wanted the pocket knife. I think Jackson was maybe six at the time that he wanted his first pocket knife. So for Christmas, we give him his pocket knife. Well, we are, you know, letting him know we're going to show him how to use it. He's opened it. We're all in the, you know, hustle and bustle of opening presents. Well, Jackson excuses himself to go to the restroom. The next thing we see is Jackson coming out with blood just dripping all down the hall. Right. Oh, sweet. Jackson had gone in and attempted to, he wanted to be the big boy, and he could not wait for us to properly show him, and he did. He opened it, and what do you think happened? He sliced his finger. Um, but you know what? We cleaned it up. It was a very valuable lesson. It was not life-threatening. It was a boo-boo. It hurt. Um, and he really did learn to respect a knife after that. Quickly did he learn. To, he's you know almost 17, and he's never opened a knife that way again. He's learned properly. So, And I always tell parents, I'm a big fan of real tools, real experiences, like woodworking. Right. Teach them a hammer now early or a saw, and parents are horrified. And I'm like... I have never seen a child cut themselves and continue doing it. I mean, they don't keep on. I mean, you might have that initial little cut, but it is the lesson in safety. Um, it's not something where usually a kid's going to go, hey, I've cut myself. Let me let me just keep that up. So it, it right. is, I think it's powerful. It's powerful to teach them at an early age the real way, um, the proper way. They learn to respect those dangerous situations. I think often once kids get older and we teach them, then they don't have the same respect for it. They're in that phase of, I've got this. Right. And they That's don't right. need the training, and it's more dangerous in the end. You know, um, we have to learn to manage risk all our life. Mm -hmm. And the risks get bigger 
as we get older, but if we learn to manage them correctly when we're younger, then we're more willing to face risk and to take risk. And I think that's something that's very important for both boys and girls, but especially boys. You know, we don't want to raise effeminate boys, and you can't raise a man without allowing him to take some risk. I agree. I think that's an issue I'm seeing. We are not raising men. Right. We just are we have boys that are growing up, but they're staying boys. Mm-hmm. So their mm-hmm. bodies are growing, but they're not maturing into that same level of man. And I often wonder, is it because of this not allowing them to take rest, not allowing them to get out there and figure it out for themselves? I think part of that is how God designed these boys Absolutely. Um, to turn into men, is that they mm-hmm. are the ones who do. And I think I, I agree with you. It's important for our girls to take rest, too. You know I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. how do you think this whole helicopter mom, let's just, I mean, this is kind of uh, something that's interesting to me. How do you think this whole helicopter mom started, this mentality? You know, I think that back in the day, in the early 1900s, when people were on the farm, people were so, they needed help. And children were seen as helpers Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. as just something for us to love and protect and cherish. And and, and I think in unhealthy ways, we've kept them from doing the things that we really were in the past. You really needed them to be doing that. They were an integral part of the family dynamic. And today, they're playing video games, they're doing other things, and um, we don't allow them to do things when they're young that are real and tangible help in the family. And so when they get older, and then they're busy. They're cheering, they're dancing, they're playing sports, and so by the time they graduate, and they don't know how to wash their own clothes, and they certainly don't know how to cook, and they're just... I think that we've lost the opportunity to show them that these things are valuable and these skills are needed and healthy and wonderful. Um, they negate the value in those basic things that run a household. And, um, you know, whether it's for the guys mowing or cooking or any of those kinds of things that they get older and they get married, and they're used, they're expecting somebody else to do the most basic mm-hmm. things in life, like washing their clothes and and dusting and cooking, and you know they want to go buy Whole Foods and buy food they don't they can't afford. Right. And I do think it's out of uh, you know we all have good intentions. I mean, I remember making some silly mistakes as a first time mom. My heart was in the right place. I wanted right. to do the right thing for our kids, and I think all these moms. And dads, I mean, their hearts are in the right place. They're not out there trying to create. They're wanting to love and they help their children. Yeah. yeah, but I do think what, uh, unfortunately, they don't realize that you and I, having grown kids now, we do know just what you said, time flies. And by the time we need them to be able to cook their food and wash their own laundry, they are busy. They have got, they have jobs. They have football. They have cheer. I'm having it right now. I've got, you know, three, four in that teenage years right now and they're too busy to learn anything the other day jackson i'll use him again he came running in and he wanted french toast for breakfast and i said buddy don't you know how to make french toast he's 16 he's like no ma'am i don't i go oh but let's let's do it right this second there's we're doing it now it wasn't well i'll make it for you it's like wait a minute oh no i missed something oh let's do it so i mean Right. right there that boy just got it he learned now he's good i wish i would have taught him at 
you know, earlier, like Henry at 11 is cooking up a storm right now. He is right. loving to cook. Well, his time isn't full with sports and everything else. There's much more time to spend with Henry cooking, but he's going to be so much further ahead because of it. And I wish parents could realize it's worth the extra steps when they're young to save you steps later on. That's it. You you are replicating yourself. You're doubling yourself. Yes. And we get this as helicopter moms even get this and when it comes to music or sports or some of those types of things because in dance, honey, they're going to have them in ballet at three, you know, yes. or they're going to uh, have them in Suzuki when they're real small or Yamaha training or tennis lessons at five, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. They, they get it and all those other areas, but that same thing, if you want them to be competent, if you want them to be able to attack something with real skill as a teenager, then you need to train them early to start, you know. Oh, I love um, the way you just said that. That's so right. You're right because this generation does put them in every class so early with the thought that earlier is better. Right, that earlier is better. However, when it comes to real-life skills, we don't approach it the same. So mm-hmm. that is, I hope everyone has that light bulb moment that I just had with that statement that you just made. We have got to approach life skills with the same fervor, the same intensity that we do sports or other fine arts activities. And and then we are going to raise a generation who's much more competent um, in the home and in real life. Um, and place activities. value on it. Yes. I, I think oh, that yeah. it's so important for us to understand that early that it produces a confidence in that child and a pride. Every one of us know what it's like, especially for a young child, to say, Mama, watch me. You know, they mm-hmm. almost can't go down the slide without you watching them and saying, Oh, that was great, good job, or clapping for them. And yet when they do a skill, a real skill, like throwing their clothes in the laundry hamper or sorting socks, if you get clothes out and you've got multiple children, then you can dump them on a clean floor and have your littlest ones sort them according to the age, you know, whose clothes are which child's clothes or just pairing the socks. That is math. That is is a school, you know, kindergarten level academic thing for them to actually sort by pairing things. Mm-hmm. And so they can find the socks, they can they know who wears which underwear and which clothes belong to which child and each child can come and fold their clothes and then set a timer and have them all go put away their clothes in the right place. And because that's a problem, a lot of times moms can get the clothes washed, but they don't get them sorted and folded and men come home and their bed is covered with clean clothes. So, You're right, and really, if we would just make it a family activity, it, it would benefit everyone. Put yeah. a book on CD and make it part of school because Absolutely. academics are important. But I'll never forget when my oldest child was 13, I spoke with a speaker at a, at a convention and said, you know, we had just built a new house and we had moved in, and we were we were having a blast, but we were doing a lot of trail cutting through the woods and, you know, kind of just taming the wild on our acreage and the surrounding area, and I said, you know, I'm just concerned that if we keep up at this pace that we'll never get to physics, and he told me it was so impactful to me. He said, no one else 
is going to teach your child, your son or your daughter to work and to be responsible. But if he's as smart as you say he is, when he gets to college, he's going to be able to get whatever he needs academically. And we didn't get to physics. He did chemistry. He did a lot of things, and he made a real high score on his ACT. So somehow, by God's grace, they get it. But what he did happen, when he got to college, he took an honors physics class. It was called the Physics of Sound. And he didn't realize quite what he was getting himself into. But everybody else in that class was a senior physics major. And he understood the music end of it. They understood the physics end of it, and there were five other people in the class, and they took Caleb on as their project, and they all tutored him through that class, and he made an A in his senior-level honors physics. Wow. And learned more (laughs) physics than he ever needed to know. And I said, God, you did that just because of me throwing that out there. We'll never get to physics and and what that speaker said to me. So, yes, that same child will work circles around people and – I think we've got to give them real, tangible things that have meaning and purpose in the home and not to be afraid of doing that from an early age. So summing it up, or just that little part, when they learn work, the value of work, the confidence gained in working hard, what you've seen in your own life is at the end, everything else can be accomplished because you've got a risk taker who's willing to work. That's right. They gain proficiency. And when you get proficient at something, you know what used to take forever to go through your multiplication facts. When yes. they get proficient, you just can fly through that. Mm-hmm. And in high school, when they have activities going on, you have teenagers that can get in there and throw together a meal with you in yeah. half the time because everybody has a skill already. And so you can just accomplish more things. And when they're older... I've seen, I know students from across the country through speech and debate and, and um, through the Homeschool Speech and Debate League, and these kids, they are, these 20-year-olds and, you know, in their 20s, they're being promoted to leadership positions because they're competent. They know how to accomplish a task. And so they are, um, they're just helpful to have around when they're high schoolers. And I hear um, so many parents at church and other places saying, Oh, the teenager years. And I was thinking, dude, we could, my teenagers were so fun and we could get some work done. By the time they were teenagers, they were, we, we had fun together because we, we worked hard and yet we played hard. Absolutely. And, I would agree with that. Like I said, I've got so many right now and it is fun when we are making a big sushi night or something where it needs lots of hands to chop up things and right. they'll all come in and grab a, you know, cutting board as they're chatting, tell me about their day. They'll just start peeling, you know, cucumber or whatever. And it it's almost on autopilot at right. this stage in right. some of those areas. Now, not a, not all of it. Don't you worry. I still have to remind some kids to pick up clothes and, and mm-hmm. do some things. Mm-hmm. But I will say there are great benefits. And the other thing I want to mention, and I know you're going to agree with me, is that kids are born risk takers. They are. It's the parents who take it out or some adult that takes it out of them. Um, they want to take risk and try it for themselves and try new things. And um, and then we, in our, again, well-meaning selves going, oh, no, not right now. Oh, I let me do that for you. We encourage them to stop taking risks. And Absolutely. I think we are creating adults and who are scared to They're go after fearful. the job. They're scared to attempt um, to even 
give that speech or yeah they're I'll fearful. I'll give you a perfect example. I Please did children's do. music when the children were growing up, and yeah. if you ask um, an eight year old to sing a solo. Or, you know, they're game, honey. Yeah, let's, oh, yeah, they're proud of themselves. Or a seven or six-year-old, mm-hmm. they can get up there, honey, take that mic and, and belt it out. But if you ask a 16-year-old to do it, they're terrified. Unless yeah. they have been trained and already have a, a, a certain skill level, you're not going to talk a 16-year-old into getting out there without shaking in their boots. But when they were younger, they're willing to take that risk, and then they have the the confidence is old hat by the time they get older. Yeah. So if you ask a teenager to vacuum, you might get their eyes roll. But if you <laughs> ask a, a six-year-old to vacuum, do give it to me. They're excited about it. They are more than glad to vacuum. Um, let them do things where they can take risk early, like sweeping the garage. They can sweep the garage. And who if they miss some, does it matter? No. But it takes some time to kind of figure out that sweeping motion. But children can get pretty good at sweeping the floor if you're not fussing at them the whole time they're doing it. What are some other things, Jan, that you think little ones can do? Give us some other um, basic real-life examples. Dusting. Dusting the coffee table. Dusting other things. If you give them just a, a cloth that has been with a little bit of vinegar and some water, which is what furniture makers recommend, and you squeeze it out till it's almost dry, you know, there's not a lot of damage they're going to do in dusting the table. And if they miss some, it's okay. But they can learn to dust. They want to be mama's helper. They do. They can fold washcloths, sort laundry like we made reference to, uh, animal care. They can start that at two or three with your assistance. Learning to pour a cup of water in the dog's bowl and or to whatever animals you have, they can learn to do that from an early age and feel good about it, that they're taking that pride. And it always starts with your assistance, but they can do those types of things. As they get older, they can help you bringing in the groceries. Um, when mine were in junior high, in, I mean, in elementary school, I used to make my grocery list in three sections according to the layout of the store. And we would get there and we'd all get, we'd get three buggies. Each of the older two children and the younger children would ride in one of the buggies. And they would be responsible for everything on that list. You know, by then they were reading and that was fun for them to get those items in their buggy. We'd meet at the front and we would check out. That's such a good point. You could see in my kids, too, some of the younger ones who like to go shopping with me, they know where everything is in the store. The other day I sent a teenager, one of my driving teenagers, and he had not been to the store as much. He didn't like it, so he didn't know where things were. And I thought of that exact thing. It really is important to take them to the grocery store. That is how they are going to learn. give them a credit card when they start driving on their own so that they can say, hey, you know, I need you to stop by the store and pick up this. Absolutely. And and a lot oh, of people are moms, afraid of carrying a card. You have no idea how great that is <laughs> to be able to send a kid to the store. It is the best. A couple of other things I wanted to mention when they're little, some of my favorite activities. Um, I really encourage moms to have a low cabinet where kids can put it on, away their own cups. 
um, yes. their own utensils, their own plates, so they can actually take them out of the dishwasher and put them away themselves or and put them in the dishwasher, those just basic things like that. I is, do have that on my list, putting dishes good. on and off the yeah. table, setting that table. Setting that table is just such an easy one. Um, washing the car. When they're in elementary school, washing the car is a big, fun thing to do. It is a big, fun thing, especially as hot as it is in Georgia and Watering Louisiana. Plants. Yeah. And pouring Long their tail. own drink. Get the, You can get small little pitchers that are just yes. really only a cup or two themselves, but it has a spout. They can practice pouring into their cup. Again, if there's a spill, it's not going to be a big spill. They're learning, and it is. And I think our reaction as we're talking about that is oh, so yeah. key in those moments. Um, and, look, I've been imperfect. There have been times that uh, kids have spilt things or messed up something. I've been calm. There have been times I've lost my mind over it and had to go back and apologize. So um, we're, parenting isn't perfect. None of us are perfect. But do Taylor your best to remain calm. something on my calm. Bible one time when I was having my Bible study. Mm-hmm. I remember screaming at him with that Bible in my hand, shaking it in his face, <laughs> saying, This is God's Word. It is the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, and so I'm thinking, are they going to remember? God's word means mama scream. But God, I mean, you know, it's like, what do they remember? Um, oh, this is why therapists will always have a job. Um, it's so okay. I love this topic. I think um, if you had some, do you have any resources or what? Where could you send these moms? They're like, okay, I don't even know where to start. This sounds overwhelming. You know, with the with the store thing, one of the things I did when I, mine were little is I set up a store here at the house, and I gave them real money, and I let them shop for things in the store, and, and that we had set up upstairs, and 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 had them. I would give them wrong change and see if that was right, and always teach them to count their change back and make mm-hmm. sure they got. You know, they had so much fun with that store when we did. Is there's a, a system called the Money Smart Kids Financial Training Kit, and um, I think teaching them to handle money and to have real responsibilities in that is important. Um, you know, when they get in the high school years, there's just all kinds of stuff you can do too. But I um, there's this really great curriculum called A Year of Playing Skillfully that I highly recommend. <laughs> It's, um, it's oh, awesome. wow, nice commercial. <laughs> it is a, it is a, it is a talk good about commercial. I've seen it. Play is their work, and, yeah. you know, teaching them to play well is, is important, mm-hmm. too. I'll never forget the image I have of this, of mine learning to work early, was my 8-year-old when he was my oldest child. And I didn't, you know, I didn't realize how young 8 is, but he wanted to mow the yard. And so I said, if you can mow our yard, then you can get some other yards. And he mowed our yard. So we went down the street, and there was an empty lot, and he mowed that. And he w- he was young enough where I would take my lawn chair and sit and read a magazine and, uh, and watch him mow that yard. But they, they sent their own um, bills. There's just all kinds of things that they can learn to do as young businessmen and women. Um, in the animal care, we had horses. And we were breeding some of them at that time. And from the time the foal was born, they imprinted them. And I remember going to some of the sales with two-year-olds that the, the, my 12- and 13-year-old at that time would lunge with my daughter. The, the son would lunge. That means they make a big circle, and the, and the daughter was riding on a saddle, not with a bridle and all, all of that, but 
you talk about raise the price on those horses when the 12 and 13 year olds could handle them then yeah yeah, those two-year-olds were ready for show you know so it's I just can't encourage moms enough to start early, giving them responsibility, and it will produce huge dividends in the lives of your children because they gain skills, and it comes back to benefit you. We have a saying, if you pay now or you pay later, you're either going to train them now or pay for not training them later. And so, you know, it's... um. It's just worthwhile. It's worth all that extra aggravation to teach them than to not teach them. And, again, I know you would agree with me, and I want to just say it, though, because you, I am a grace giver. We need to give them grace. Don't expect perfection. Oh, it's yeah. It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Um, again, we might not see the results right now as we just continue every day because when you're in it, it just feels like so much repetitive motion. But you will see those results years down the road. Um, That's you will it. see it, it pay off. It is a off, long-term so investment. It is. It is and a long-term somewhere investment. along the pendulum, you don't know what happens. It's like suddenly <laughs> it's they become yeah. proficient. And, you yeah. know, whereas yesterday you said, I showed you how to do this yesterday. And then... Right. Two days later, they're doing it just right. And you're like, how did this happen? When did this miracle occur? And But I think so, our attitude, if we can remain calm in those moments, if we can remain grace-filled in those moments and not expect perfection, just continue to reintroduce, continue to encourage, continue to offer opportunity, invite them to work, again, we will see the benefits later. Is there anything else before we wrap this up? I know everyone is probably not wanting us to end this, but... Um, we're going to go over time if we don't wrap it on. Try to make so it fun. Else? Try to make it fun uh, for them, you know, and and it's always more fun if it's relational. If you were doing it with them, it is more fun. And it's um, and don't be afraid to learn a skill with them, to plant a garden, to ride a bike, uh, to teach them how to repair their own tire, all of that kind of stuff. It can it, they are learning, they're growing the same concepts of early. of them playing anything is more fun if they're doing it with mom and dad i love that oh i'm sure everyone is listening going oh that's why you love her kathy that's why you love this woman um i do oh my gosh i know i'm going to want to chat with you again i'm going to have requests to chat you're so full of wisdom and i even learned so much and like you, I'm kind of doing it the second time around with grandbabies but that's also fun we we can you know try new things out and maybe make some right decisions when we made wrong ones with our own kids. So I'm so glad you joined me today, Jan. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Great to talk to you. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Kathy Lee. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. To find out more, check out therealkathylee.com. You can download us every Friday on iTunes or your favorite app to listen to the podcast. Hey, if this hot mess can rock motherhood, so can you.